Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Relationship Center on the Edify Podcast Network, and I'm glad you've tuned in. My name is Anis Wamboye, and today we're going to be looking at a message called the Gospel. What is the Gospel? This is the core of our ministry here at the Relationship Center, and it is our hope that as we cover each week, covering different topics of the podcast, that you understand that the underlying message is the Gospel. The gospel is the foundational message for the Christian faith. And if you understand the gospel, you are able to navigate your Christian life with the necessary grace that God wants you to have. The gospel message is for unbelievers to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, to understand that God loves them and that God desires that all men be saved. It is also a message for believers to remind us of our future hope, to remind us that God is not done with this world and that he's in the process of redeeming it. Now, what does the word gospel mean? Before we get there, I would like us to pray that our eyes may be opened, that our minds may be perceptive and our ears may hearken to the truth of God's word. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I commit this session into your hands. I pray for every hearer out there who listens to this message, that, Father, they may have their minds transformed, they may have their wills molded towards yours, and they may have their hearts uh, redeemed, Father, by putting their hope in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the Savior of the world. So, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you in Jesus' name. Amen. What is the gospel? What is the message of the gospel? The word gospel literally means good news. It literally means good news. Now, why is it good news? Now, it is good news because it is preceded by bad news. The good news is a, is, 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 is a breath of fresh air after a host of a lot of bad news. And you cannot understand the good news of the gospel before you understand the bad news. And the bad news is threefold. The bad news is in these three parts. Number one, the character of God. Number two, the character of man. And number three, the clash between the character of God and the character of man. All right? The character of God, number one. Number two, the character of man. And finally, number three, the clash between the character of God and the character of man. This is the bad news. It is threefold. So let's start with part one, the character of God. God is a holy God. God is holy. Of all characteristics that represent our God, the one that stands out the most is the holiness of God. What does it mean for God to be holy? It means two things. Number one, that God is set apart. The word holy literally means to be set apart, to be different, to be other, to not be like the others, to not be common. God is uncommon. God is impeccable in his characteristics. He is above. He is not common in league as far as his character is concerned. But the word holiness not only comes with uh, the implication of being set apart, it also comes with the implication of purity, moral uprightness, that God's holy standard and God's holy character is pure, that God has no fault, that God has no sin, that the God of the Bible does not fall short in character. The God of the Bible does not have character faults. He is pure. He is without error. He is faultless. Now, how is this bad news? This is bad news only because of the second set of 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 of, of this of the, the second set of the bad news, which is that man is sinful. Man's sinful nature is different from God's holy nature. 
Man falls short of God's holy standard. When did this begin? This began at the fall of man. When Adam and Eve were given the command in Genesis 2, verse 16 to 17, they were told, You may eat of every tree in the Garden of Eden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you may not eat of it, for the day that you eat of it you shall certainly die. Now, Adam and Eve ate the fruit. Did they die? Did they drop down and die immediately? Well, no. But something happened. There was a severing of their relationship with God. There was a distancing between them and God. And eventually, they did literally die. None of this was God's plan for humanity. Everyone who came through Adam and Eve is born in sin. In a sense, we all bear that generational curse that came from our father and mother, Adam and Eve. We are born with that sinful nature that is deviated from God in his impeccable characteristics and in his holiness, in his moral absolute upright standard. We are not like God. The Bible says this in Romans 3.23 that, that, that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Think about that. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is what it says in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 20. It says, for there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. That all of us bear the nature, the characteristics of our forefathers, Adam and Eve. And because of that, we are born in sin. We fall short of God's glory. We lie. We steal. And this is antithetical to the holiness of God. The holiness of God is so high that man cannot reach it. The holiness of God is so high that if man attempted to reach it, he, it, it's an impossible task. Even if you give one man a thousand lifetimes to reach the holy standard of God, we cannot. We have fallen short. And the Bible says this in Isaiah 59 verse 2. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. A holy God refuses to be in fellowship with a sinful man because a holy God will be compelled to destroy a sinful man. Why? The Bible says in the, Bible, in the book of Romans chapter 6, verse 23, part A, that the wages of sin is death. The holy standard of God, when it comes in contact with the sinful nature of man, will destroy mankind. The holiness of God will destroy mankind. God's holiness and God's glory is incompatible with the sinfulness of man. Man has fallen short of the glory of God and there's not a single man, no matter how righteous they may look, who does not sin, the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20. And this is bad news. That means God and man are essentially incompatible. And yet this was not God's desire. God's initial desire was to be in a relationship with man, a compatible relationship with man. But sin separates us. Sin alienates us from God. Now, what should man do? Man often default by default things. Well, that's okay. Um, I'm not. A, I'm a sinner. Yes, I do fall short of God's glory, but I also do some good things. And I'm not such a bad person. I mean, I do some really, really good things. Surely, God will see those good things I've done, and surely those good things can can compensate for my bad deeds. They can compensate for my sin. And surely God can see all the good that I've done. And truly, he must understand that I'm human and he might just go like, you know what? Your good deeds are sufficient. And because they're sufficient, you know, you can come in and you can get back to fellowship with him. Not so, beloved. It's not that simple. 
Let me explain this so that you may understand that our good deeds have no place in dealing with our sinful nature. Suppose I was driving along a road and the speed limit is 50 kilometers per hour and I'm clocking 100. And in the process of my careless over speeding, I knock an old man who's crossing the road and he dies on the spot. I crash into a stage, a bus stage, and there's some people waiting there for the bus and I injure them and they take into hospital in critical condition. And then I destroy public property in my crash and I'm arrested. And I'm taken to the police station. I'm charged and the following day I'm taken to court and the judge reads my crimes. He says, Ernest one boy, um, clocking a hundred in a 50 kilometer per hour zone, how do you plead? I say guilty. He says, Ernest one boy, killed an old man in the process of your careless driving how do you plead? I say guilty. And then says, Anderson one boy destroyed, uh, injured a few people and they're in hospital in critical condition fighting for their lives. How do you plead? I say guilty. And then he says, Anderson one boy destroyed public property in your careless driving. How do you plead? Guilty. And then, I, then the judge says, on account of these four crimes, I hereby sentence you, Anderson one boy, to 30 years in prison. And he bangs his gavel. And I'm doomed. And let's say, when I hear that, I respond and say, oh, come on, Bwana Judge, relax. You're taking things too seriously. Come on, let, let me just slow things down for you, Bwana Judge. Listen, um, look, look, um, I know I've committed these four crimes, but I'm a good person. Uh, I, I, I teach at the Relationship Center podcast. I am a preacher of the gospel. I, I love my wife. I, she's my dear one. I mean, we've been married for this number of years. I love how we've married for the past nine years. I, I've got these children. I love them. I'm their father. I provide for them. I look at all the good things I've done. I, I pay my taxes. I don't litter. I do so many good things. If I want to judge, if you look at all the good things I've done, compare them, compare them to the bad things I've done, when I judge, come on, you have to let me go. You have to let me go. My good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. Surely, I am a good citizen. You cannot just judge me based on these four petty crimes. Come on, they're just four. Look at the amount of good things I've done. Now, what do you think the judge will say to that? Will he let me go? Of course not. There's no way he let me go. Guys, what's the lesson here? I want you to pay attention. If my earthly crimes cannot be dealt with my good deeds. Or rather, if my good deeds cannot take away the punishment of my earthly crimes, what makes me think that my good deeds can take away the punishment for my heavenly crimes? What makes me think that? Guys, the Bible says this in Isaiah 64 verse 6, that the wages of sin, no, that all our good deeds rather, all our good deeds are but filthy rags before God. Isaiah 64 verse 6. All our good deeds are but filthy rags before God. Your good deeds have no bearing on your sin. Your good deeds have no bearing on the things that you've done. Your good deeds cannot save you. No amount of piling up of moral good deeds will grant you reprieve in the kingdom of God. The wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible says in Isaiah, 60, in, 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 in not Isaiah, but 
in Romans 6, 23, part A. The wages of sin is death. You and I deserve death. You and I need to face the punishment for our crime, and we deserve death. Now, that's bad news. All that is bad news. God is holy, man is sinful, and those two are antithetical to one another, and there's a clash. All this is bad news. But the bad news, ladies and gentlemen, is a precedence to good news. Guys, the bad news is that if life is an exam, you and I fail the exam of life. I want you to imagine if life is an exam from the moment you are born to the day you die, you sit an exam and you're required to live up to the holy standard of God. And after you live your life, the marking scheme is God's holy standard. How do you think you'd pass? How do you think you'd fail in that exam? Would you pass or would you fail? Of course you'd fail. You'd get a big fat zero, a big fat F. If life is an exam, you and I fail and we deserve death. But this sets the precedence for the good news. What is the good news? The good news is that God saw that you and I are fallen and we cannot save ourselves. And this is what he did. God came down on earth in the form of a human being. And he said, I'm going to sit the same exam. Give it to me. And he called himself Jesus Christ. And he was born of a virgin through the power of the Holy Ghost so that he would not be tainted with the sinfulness that we are tainted with. And he came and sat the same exam that you and I sat. And Jesus Christ never lied, never stole, never blasphemed, never fell short of God's glory. Jesus Christ had such a high moral standard. In fact, he came and told us, you guys think you're good? Let me tell you, the exam that you failed, it's worse than you think. You keep telling yourself, I'm not committing adultery. I'm here to tell you that the standard is not just adultery. The standard is looking at someone with lust. Here you are consoling yourself that you've never murdered. Hey, if you've hated your brother, you're guilty of hellfire. And Jesus Christ comes and not only proves to us that he can pass the exam, but you and I have really, really failed. And when you and I score a big fat F, Jesus Christ lives a perfectly pure life, and Jesus Christ scores 100%. He never fails. Now Jesus Christ takes his paper and he's handing it to God the Father. And he takes your paper and is about to hand it to God the Father. But this is what he does. He takes his paper where he has scored 100%, where he has passed the exam. He erases his name and he writes your name. He writes your name. And then he takes the other paper where you and I have failed. You've scored a big fat F. He erases your name and he writes his name. He writes Jesus Christ. God the Father receives both papers. He sees the first one and he says, Wow, a hundred percent. Well done, good and faithful servant. Never failed. Never fallen short of my glory. Lived a perfectly pure, blameless life. Never gave into temptation. Is pleasing to me without fault. You deserve all the honor, glory, majesty power and authority but whose name does he see there he sees your name he sees your name and then he sees the other paper he sees whoa lying thieving blaspheming murdering conniving adulterer fornicator sleeping around before marriage adulterer going against your marriage vows full of pride full of lust full of envy full of greed full of gluttony, full of wrath, full of sloth, 
full of fear, worry, doubt, anxiety, shame, guilt, full of so many things that you and I have done and some that we could mention, some we couldn't mention. And he says, you deserve death. The wages of sin is death. Wages are, wages are a salary. You work for salary at the end of the month. So the due salary for your life is death. And your good deeds cannot save you. But whose name does he see on that exam paper? He sees the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And there is a divine exchange. The blessings of God and the blessings of Jesus Christ that he deserves are transferred to you. And the wrath of God that you and I deserve is transferred to Jesus Christ. And guys, to that end he died. This is what the Romans did. The Bible says they stripped him and they flogged him. They flogged Jesus before they crucified him. And they beat him up. The Romans had this weapon that had leather straps. And at the tip of those leather straps were sharp fish bones and hooks. They hit the body of our Lord. It sunk into his flesh. They ripped it out. His blood was squirting out like a tap. He was screaming in pain. And they kept hitting him one and two and three four and five and six and the flesh was being ripped apart, torn apart and his blood was squirting out and they continued six and seven and eight and nine and ten and eleven and twelve thirteen, fourteen, fifteen sixteen, seventeen eighteen, nineteen, twenty they whipped him and they flipped him over to the other side and went on twenty-one, twenty-two twenty-three, twenty-four 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 39 lashes. And they got done with him. The whole place was filled with blood. He was in a pool of blood. And he was dying. He had lost so much blood. And then they put a purple robe on him. And they twisted a crown of thorns on his head. And they made fun of him. They said, Hail the king of the Jews. And then they put his own clothes back on him. And they put a heavy cross on his back. And they told him, Carry it. And Jesus Christ carried that cross. Taking the punishment for your big fat F. And he walked up that cross, up that hill to the cross where they would crucify him, to the hill where they would crucify him. And he collapsed, he fell. A doctor would tell you he got into hypovolemic shock where you lose so much blood, so much water, your body gives in. They called Simon of Cyrene to come and help carry the cross. He was the father of Alexander and Rufus. And Simon of Cyrene carried the cross and he helped Jesus. And that cross was taken to the top of the hill and they stretched out his limbs and they nailed a six-inch nail through his hands, through his feet. And he hung there naked, his private parts exposed. And when you're on the cross, you struggle to breathe because gravity is working against your diaphragm. And so you actually die from suffocation before you die from the bleeding. And so Jesus is struggling to breathe. With every breath, the gravity is working against his diaphragm. He's struggling. And he's bleeding and broken and he's naked and shameful 
and everyone is standing and they're spitting at him and they're mocking him. They're saying, if you are the king of the Jews, bring yourself down, not knowing that he is the king, not just of the Jews, he's the king of the whole world. And on that cross, he's taking the punishment for you and I. He is taking the punishment that you and I deserve. And the Lord hung there and he surrendered his spirit and he said, it is finished. The barrier between man and God has been, has been bridged. The separation between God and man because of our sin has been bridged. It is finished. The veil was torn into two. It is finished. Humanity could come back to God because Christ made a way. It is finished. And he says, anyone who comes to him, anyone who believes, anyone who turns to him and believes in the Son of God shall be saved. If you accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you accept the great exchange made for you. And when you accept that great exchange, you accept life. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God's only son? Do you believe that he lived a perfectly pure life? Do you believe that he died on the cross for your sins? And do you believe that after three days or on the third day, he rose again to give you eternal life? He rose from the dead. Why? Because he was a righteous man. He was in practice a righteous man and the grave could not hold him. And in his righteousness, he arose from the dead so that you and I would never be held down by the grave. Have you surrendered your life to this man? This is the gospel. This is good news. That we don't have to die in our sins. We don't need to die in our transgressions. We can be saved. We can be purified. We are not saved because we've done anything. We are saved because something has been done for us. Now the Son of God became a man so that men could become sons of God. It is by grace we have been saved. We didn't die on a cross. We didn't live a perfect, pure life. If you want, if you think that you can earn your salvation, you'd have to do what Christ did. Live a perfectly pure, sinless life from your mother's womb to the day you die. And you'd have to die on that cross for the sins of the whole world. Only he did that. Only he is worthy. Have you surrendered your life to this man? If you have and you're a born-again Christian, reflect on the message of the cross. Let it challenge your heart. Let it tear down all idols that you have. If you are not born again, I'll ask you to consider this message. And if you would, and if you say, honest, I feel I'm ready, I believe, I'm convicted in my heart by the Holy Spirit, and I want to surrender my life to Christ, I'll ask you to do this. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. Do you want to believe that? Do you want to declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? Do you want to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? You'll be saved. Because the Bible says, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. I'll ask you to just get a moment right now if you want to do that and I could lead you to Christ. Where you could declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you could believe in your heart 
and by professing your mouth, your faith, and professing your faith through your mouth, you are, you will be saved. Now listen, it's not the words that save you. This is not a, this is not like a, a kind of mantra that you say and then it just pops. There's some magic. It's not a spell. <laughs> All right. This is life through the power of your words. And so if you'd like to make the confession and come to the body of Christ and become a member, become a born-again Christian, I just say, just ask you at this moment to just go before the Lord and ask him to forgive you of your sins. Just go before the Lord right now. Just right now, just pray. Just go before the Lord. With my voice in the background, go before the Lord. Just speak to him. Tell him you're sorry. Tell him you are sorry for what you did to him on that cross. That the price for your freedom cost you, cost him his life. If you would, you could even pause the podcast and just make that prayer. Just ask him to forgive you. Say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for lying. Forgive me for living a double life. Forgive me. Ask him for forgiveness. All right? If you need more time, you can pause, finish the prayer, and then continue. Now, what you've asked for forgiveness, I want you to thank him for the cross. Just go on with your own way. Just thank him. Thank him for the cross. Speak life. Thank him. Thank him for what he did on that cross for you. Give him thanks. Give him thanks. Thank him for sending his son Jesus to live a perfectly pure life and dying for you. Thank him for the painful sacrifice that he took on your behalf. Thank him. And if you want to keep thanking, you can just pause the podcast right now and go on thanking him. All right? When you're done, I'd like you to just confess to your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Just declare that you want him as Lord of your life. Just declare, Jesus, you are Lord, and I invite you to be Lord of my life. Come on, invite him. Just declare to your mouth. Don't say it in your heart. Declare it aloud. Wherever you are, find a place where you can speak and just declare, Jesus is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Declare that he's the way, the truth, and the life. Declare that he's the only way to receive eternal life. Declare that he is the son of God. Declare that he is the only way to heaven. Declare that he is Lord of your life. And after you declare it, invite him. Just say, Lord, I invite you. Come on, invite him. Invite him into your life. Just say, Lord, I invite you into my life. I invite you. I invite you to my life. Now you can repeat this after me. You can pause and finish the prayer, but once you're done, you can keep playing and then repeat this after me. Believe in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I come before you and I ask you to write my name in the book of life. I ask you to remember me and give me your Holy Spirit to live inside of me. I receive the Holy Spirit. Now, as an act of faith, just lift up your hands and just receive it. Just say, Lord, I receive the Holy Spirit. 
I receive him for salvation. I receive him. All right? Amen. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on that cross and that you were raised from the dead to give me eternal life. And I believe in my heart, I confess with my mouth, and I now declare that I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen, ladies and gentlemen. The Bible says that if one of us comes to faith, the angels in heaven celebrate when one sinner repents. So if you have come to Christ, be sure that God is enthralled and God is celebrating with the holy angels. And this is what I'll ask you to do. Find a Bible-believing church. Find a gospel-centered church. Find a church that preaches this gospel that you just had. Don't go to a church that preaches any other kind of message that deviates from the truth of the gospel. This is the gospel. There's no other gospel. Every other gospel is a false gospel. Paul says if anyone preaches any other gospel, whether be it an angel or any other human being, let them be accursed, for there's only one gospel, and this is the gospel for the forgiveness of sins. Every other gospel, the prosperity gospel, the name it and claim it gospel, whatever gospel you hear out there, that's a false gospel. There's only one gospel, and that is the gospel of our salvation for the remission of sins that we may be forgiven. Find a gospel church, join it, be a member, make a commitment to be a member of that church, and then get baptized. Sign up for baptism. Renew your faith. They may ask you questions. You can affirm those questions. Uh, through some form of catechism. And once you affirm your faith, get baptized. And once you get baptized, you're going to get into the family of faith. You're going to start living out the Christian walk. Ask your church to help you grow spiritually and keep tuning in to the Relationship Center for more great podcasts that will build your faith and inspire you. Please head over to the, w, to, to the Edify app. That is www.edify.app. Or you could also search for the Edify app in the App Store and the Google Play Store. We'll see you next time.